Good morning. Welcome to Second Chances. I uh, hope everybody's doing well this morning. Um, as we get started, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Dear God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for uh, another gorgeous day to be alive. And um, God, I thank you for, um, again, just the opportunity to open up your word and to see what you have to say to us. And as we live in a crazy time right now, I pray that you open our hearts and and allow us to hear what it is that you're trying to say to us through your word today. Uh, God, we want to lift up everybody that um, is struggling through this tough time and, and people that are dealing with illnesses and sicknesses. God, that you just place your hand of grace and mercy and understanding uh, so we can have some peace during this time. And God, I thank you so much for all the blessings that you've given us. And, and thank you for sending your son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope everybody is doing well this week. We are, uh, as I've seen some memes on Facebook, I think this is March 3rd, 364. It seems like this is dragging on and it's getting crazy. Um, we, uh, you know, I just started working back at the restaurant and that is my opening line to everybody. How is quarantine life treating you? And the parents will roll their eyes and, you know, say, you know, homeschooling is difficult and their kids are a little crazy. And then the kids, of course, will just respond with, I'm bored. So it's, yeah, I think we're all dealing with some, some transitional struggles as we continue to uh, work through uh, quarantine, this pandemic, and as we all kind of search for answers. Today, I wanted to, uh, to dive into one of Paul's letters um, from Galatians. Um, but before we do that, though, I want to I want to pose kind of a scenario, a story, a question to you. Um, you know, have you ever known someone that has overcome uh, an addiction? You know, whether it's personal um, or, you know, someone in your family, uh, you know, or a friend. Have you ever listened to their story of struggle? How hard it was for them to win the daily battle because it is uh, a daily battle. It's a moment by moment battle when you're trying to overcome something like that. And it's tough. It's uh, it is literally a fight. When you hear their story, you can you can hear their loss of self-worth once they realize that they had the problem. You know, and then on the flip side, when they tell their story, there's there's two parts to it. There's the the before, there's the after. And then when you hear them talk about the after, you can hear them talk of the freedom they experienced. You know, the moment that they were able to let that addiction go uh, and begin to move forward. You can easily see the difference in their old life versus the new one. They're very much two different people. You know, if you were to look at the old life, you could easily say that they were entrapped, you know, a slave to their urges, their desires, their choices. And then by contrast, the, the other, the after, has an identity in something that is bigger than their choices. You, you, can, you can start to see a freedom. You know, a weight has been lifted off of their shoulders 
they are absolutely living life as if they are free. Now, I think a scenario that, that might hit a little bit closer to home for, for most of us uh, today, have you ever made New Year's resolutions or, or fitness, fitness goals? You know, I think we all might be guilty of those at some point in our adult life, more so in quarantine life. You know, we've, we've decided that, listen, I'm stuck at home. I'm, I'm going to start eating better, whether it be for, you know, weight loss purposes, health purposes, or, or you just have a goal. Now, I want you to, to imagine sticking to those goals, you know, seeing them through. Uh, and you begin to hit those goals that they kind of once seemed daunting or impossible. You know, fast forward to the end of it, you, you've lost the weight, you've fixed your blood pressure, you've gained confidence. You know, whatever your end result is, I want you to imagine working through that and, and finally achieving those goals. You know, you're going to feel great, right? You're, you're happier. You seem to have a different outlook on life. And I bet if I was to start asking people that, that did life with you, that, that were around you, they would say that 100% you are, you are a different person. Now, imagine one day after you've hit those goals and people are seeing this change in you and you are a different person. Imagine you begin to long and desire your old self, your old life. And let's say that you verbalize that to friends like, Man, I really wish who I was before. I, I, I wish that I felt that way again. Now, they're going to be confused, right? They're going to ask you, why did you miss that? Look at the who you are now. You're happier. You're healthier. Now, while that may be true, the bigger point is that you would lose your identity if you became that old person again. Once again, you'd be slave to your formerly bad choices that made you want to make the change in the first place. You, you forget where you were and who you've become, and you become fixated on where you were. Now, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, you know, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and, and turn there. If you have your phone, whatever. Let's go ahead and look at that. So he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Now, he's talking right here, um, about an inheritance, you know, so if, if a son is born to a father and something happens to that father and he's no longer around, because he's an heir, he's going to receive that inheritance. Now, at this point, he is too young to make a decision on these things, right? So he still has the inheritance, it's his, you know, the property, the money, the, the animals, what have you, but he's too young to know what to do with it. So, you know, a guardian or, or, or somebody has is, is is been appointed to to kind of be over that. Um, now, verse 3, it says, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive an adoption as sons. Now, when we, we talk about the law, we're, we're talking about the religious law here, um, you know, the, the, the right, the wrong, and then the punishment um, for that. Now, when we look in verse 5, I want you to know how God views us. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of gone over that the last couple of weeks, and, and we're going to brush on it a little bit here. But it says at the end of verse 4 that God sent forth his son to redeem those who are under the law. Now, there's always a cost uh, for redemption. You know, so what did it cost God to redeem us, to, to cleanse us, to give us this gift? Remember, he sent his only son to be sacrificed, to, to be brutally murdered, uh, to carry the weight of our sin so that we didn't have to. Now, the, the after effect of that is so that we might receive adoption. Uh, you know, I think that the, the term adoption may have meant something a little bit differently, uh, you know, in the biblical time. You know, so when you were adopted... Right, you become heir to everything that 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 father, that family had, um, and, and you were brought in as being worthy, you know, uh, of that. And so when we were redeemed, and, and and God made this act for us, it's so He did that so that we would receive adoption uh, as His children. Verse six, and because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba. Father, verse seven, I think, is the most crucial part of, of wrapping that this, this segment from Paul up. He says, "So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God." So you can see the transition, right? You can see that we go from being a slave to our former selves. Um, we have no rights, <laughs> no inheritance. Uh, our life on earth, once it's done, is done. But but a son, then we transition into that. And if we are a son, then we are an heir through God. So, you know, there's all this greatness. You know, we go from having no identity to, to having an identity. And then also going to have eternal life after that because of the redemption, because of the gift, because of the sacrifice that was made. So Paul is trying to, again, remind them, remind the church in Galatia that this is what was done for us. Right. This is who we were before. This is the choice that God made for us, and then this is who we are after we rede we are redeemed. Uh, in verse eight, it says uh, he he starts off here. Uh, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. So let's read that again. Formerly, when you did not know God. You were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Yeah, I think this is important. It's a very real danger that Paul is addressing here. And, and people reverting back to their old ways of life. Having argued the case for, for being a son in Christ, Paul really wants the Galatians to, to enjoy that blessing. You know, the, the important part about our salvation is that we should have experienced a transformation. You know, there, there should have been that moment where we realized the gift, who we were before that gift. And there should have been 
there should have been a transformation inward that became outward. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, and there, there's plenty of references, you know, to, to transformation. Um, but there should have been a transformation. You know, it's easy to see when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. There's that transformational moment in the cocoon, and then they er, they, they emerge completely different. And that's what Paul is saying right here, is that you did not, when you did not know God, these were your attributes. And, and that's true, right? You can look back in your life, if you are a believer, you can look back on your life before Jesus, you know, before you accepted the gift, you can see who you were, where you found your identity. You know, and it wasn't wasn't ideal. Like some some people's past stories are are different than others, right? Not not everybody's past looks the same. But either way, you can you can look back and you can be the determinant that you can decide. Listen, my identity was not wrapped up in Jesus. It was wrapped up in in money. It was wrapped up in relationships with other people. It was wrapped up in in drugs. You know, whatever it is, they're not gods. Right, wherever you place your identity prior, that's what you viewed as God, and that's what Paul is saying here: is that you become enslaved to those that, by nature, are not God. So think back on that, right? So before, before you know your your past life, what did you determine? What did you decide was going to be your identity? Whatever that identity is, look back on all the decisions you made in life they all were surrounded by where you found your identity. It was empty. You know, you can look, I, I think you, if you're honest with yourself, I know that I, that I can be. It, wherever your identity was, the decisions you made around surrounding that identity led to a pretty empty life. You continually chase to be fulfilled, and yet you never really are. Without even knowing it, you truly are a slave to that identity, to that, to those choices. Now, look at what he says in verse 9. But, I always like the word but, now that you have come to know God, and again, this isn't the word know here, right? He says in verse 8, when you did not know God, and he says now you, you know God, he's not talking about knowing of God. Right? It'd be like, listen, I know Tim Tebow. No, but I really know of Tim Tebow. I don't know, no, Tim Tebow. You know, that's what it's here. It's, it's, it's not just the knowledge of God. It's having that experience of with God. It's having the relationship, right? Prior to even the demons know God, right? So when he says here, before you knew God, before you had the relational experience with God, and then verse 9, he says, now that you've come to know God, or, or rather to be known by God, which I think is huge right there, right? God has known of us since we were in our mother's womb. He's, he's known who we are. He says, now that you've come to know God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. 
It's really easy when we're going through a difficult time and we don't have the answers as to why and we're trying to trust God and it feels kind of silent. It's really easy to say, this is extremely difficult. I'm out. It's too much. At least when I was living this life, I was happy. And we see this a lot throughout stories in scripture, right? If you can remember uh, the Exodus, they're out, they're out in the wilderness and they, and they were enslaved. They were forced to, to, to work, you know, 26 hours a day. I realize there's 24 hours in a day. I'm making the point that they were working nonstop for years, decades, hundreds of years. And it was awful. They were whipped. They were beaten. They would watch people die next to them, and they had to continually work. And they, they, they were in the desert on their way to the promised land. And they said, it would be better if we were back as slaves. Now, we on the outside reading that story can say, y'all are smoking some crazy stuff. You're nuts. Why would you want to go back to that life? It's really easy for us to want to revert back to our old lives because we have the illusion that we were happy or, or whatever it was. It's too hard right now. God's not listening to me. I'm experiencing a hardship. We have to remember who we were and how far God has brought us along. Paul is saying right here, again, we, we talked a little bit last week about the importance of surrounding yourself with godly people that will do life with you, that will encourage you, because the point of, of, of our journey with, with God is to, is to gain the knowledge and the understanding. Yes, absolutely. But then it is, you know, to, to give out that grace, to give out that mercy, to live what we've experienced, to live it outwards. Paul is this this person for all of these churches, right? He is, he's not afraid to call them out because he can see that the path they're heading down, the, the backwards progression that they are experiencing. And he can see that it's wasted, right? The gift, the, the opportunity they have to further the church is being wasted. He says, listen, formerly you didn't know God, you're enslaved to the things that are not God's, but you've come to, now that you've come to know God, how can you possibly turn your back and go to what you were slaves to, how can you do that again? Verse 10, he says, You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, in verse 12, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a body bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Verse 14, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have become of your blessedness. That you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Verse 16, I, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Listen, all of this, what he is trying to do here is he is trying to to build them up, to encourage them, and to remind them of the blessings that they were giving out, that the good that they were doing when they found their identity and they, they 
lived in Christ. They lived in God and they were not swayed by the world, that they were not who they once were. You know, I, I, I'm a runner, not, not a very fast one anymore. Back in the day, I was decent. Um, but, but any of you that have trained for a physical goal, you know, whether it is to run your first mile, your first 5K, you want to do an ultra Spartan race, you know, whatever it is that you have trained for that has physical requirements, and you've given yourself a time goal. You know, halfway through that training, it really is difficult, right? You're going to have those bad days. You are going to have a, a drought type moment or time frame where you begin to question, the heck am I doing here? <laughs> It'd be so much easier to sit on the couch and just eat Cheetos again and watch, you know, reruns of, of old football games or, you know, on ESPN, the Ocho, I think they're airing cornhole right now. It would be so much easier to sit back on the couch, pop on my pajama pants, stuff my face with corn chips, and just do nothing. Why do those thoughts cross our mind? Is, is it for fear? Fear of being uncomfortable, fear of the unknown, fear of failure? You know, I, we're all guilty of having those moments. But if you ever begin in those moments to think about the end result and how great it's going to feel when you accomplish that, if you've hit a goal, then yes, you've done that. When you get to that goal, I can honestly tell you that when you look back on those moments where you almost quit, you can say, wow, that was really stupid. I cannot believe I thought that. I was so close to my goal. Had I quit then, I never would have forgiven myself. That internal struggle that you're having here, Paul is just, he's verbalizing it. He sees a church, he sees Christians, he sees brothers and sisters in Christ begin to desire and fall back into their old ways, forgetting the gift. You know, I find that his story here, his letter, excuse me, his letter to this church is, is extremely encouraging. And that's what I want to be here for you today, is, is simply just encouraging. You know, people use the, the new normal term, whatever this is, it's difficult. I get that. The stage of life that we're in right now is very, very difficult. But there is a gift for us. It, it, this time is only difficult when we allow it to define us, right? You can you can see if you scroll through Facebook, right? There, there's so much junk on there in your feed. And the people that are getting bent out of shape, you know, I think are the ones that are allowing this moment, this time in history to define them. This world, guys, this world is the furthest thing from our home. It's nuts. It's crazy. It's where we live. I get it. And But I'm talking eternally. This world is simply just a stop on the journey to where we will go. We have a purpose here. But you cannot let this world begin to define who you are. 
when you do that, you will allow the world to dictate your actions. You will get sucked in. Paul is saying the opposite here. Paul is saying, listen, you were once enslaved when you found God and God knows you because he does. God seeks us out. We don't need to live like that. Our lives with God should be extremely evident to those around us that are not followers and to those that are, that are followers alike. We should be known by our fruit. This is just a moment. We will get through this. I want you to know who you are in Christ. You know, we looked at the woman at the well. We see that Jesus sought her out. She wasn't the most clean person. You know, Paul is saying to his, this church here, they were not clean people when they accepted the gift. They were not good enough. You are not good enough on your own merit. That's why we had to be redeemed. Don't you see that the gift we were given was not something that we could earn? That's what makes it so much more special. That's what makes you special. Is, you, is, is the fact that you weren't good enough and he still chose to, to make the sacrifice with you in mind. Don't squander it. You are supposed to do something with this gift. We all are collectively. As we go out, as we, as we break apart today, what I want you to pray for today, what I want us all to pray for today is that we would remember the transformation. We would remember where we were before redemption and, and who we are and how God sees us and the purpose for us moving forward in this moment. This time's crazy. I get it. But I beg you, do not allow it to become your identity. It takes strength. It takes, takes faith. It takes prayer to ask God to say, listen, don't make me, don't allow me to see myself as the world sees me. Let me see myself through your eyes so that I can then in turn begin to spread the gift, spread the word and serve my purpose here in the time that I'm in with the people that are around me, with at the place that I work. I don't want to go back. I don't want to be who I was. I want to find my identity in Christ again. Let's pray. Dear God, again, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this opportunity to dive inside your word. And I thank you for the gift of sending your son while we were still sinners to die on the cross, to take on the weight of our sin to give us a way to eternity with you, God. I pray that we recognize the how big this gift is. That it's life transforming. 
that you adopted us as sons and daughters of yours. And we are heir to you. That's huge. I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. And I pray that our life would be an outward expression of the inward change because of that. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.